Hey everyone, this is Rabbi Brian. If these podcasts have been a blessing to you, will you please consider being a blessing to the nation of Haiti? Mishkan David supports two works of the Lord in Haiti. First is our orphanage, Beth Besed, which means House of Kindness, where 40 children are cared for each day, both spiritually and physically. And of course, there's our own Rabbi Peter Oliveira, who's setting Haiti ablaze by restoring it back to Yeshua, restoring it back to Torah, and to the Jewish roots of our faith in Messiah. Listen, to learn more, please visit www.torahforhaiti.org. That's T-O-R-A-H, number four, Haiti.org. There you can give a tax-deductible financial blessing and sponsor a child for only $20 a month. Hey, thanks for considering, and may Adonai bless you. Enjoy this podcast, which was recorded at our Mishkan David Shabbat service in Rhode Island. Shalom. All right. So today, for the past couple of weeks, it has been um, strong on my heart to give a bit of a teaching on everyone's favorite Bible character, yours and mine. Da da da! Satan! Now, I hope that you don't mind me keeping it a little bit light in a, a, a weighty topic. So the purpose of this study is to present an in depth biblical study on how Satan operates within the spiritual and the natural realms. Demonstrate how and why Satan impacts our lives and how we can overcome his snares. And change our perspective on Satan and what it means to be under satanic attack. I will just tell you that I've said this many times here in the past. When I preach, I'm just preaching to myself. And if anybody else gets anything out of it, well, Baruch Hashem, that's extra. And the Lord has been uh, teaching me more and more about the reality of the spiritual battle that, that exists. And the reality of that while we walk in flesh and blood, our battle is not flesh and blood. And there is a, there is a spiritual realm out there that impacts us on a, on, a, on a frequent daily, moment by moment, whatever basis, that we need to be mindful of, that I need to be more mindful of. I'm not a naturally spiritual person. I'm very grounded. You know, if my car breaks down, my first reaction isn't, man, I better fast. It's like, let me fix the thing. If there's a relationship that's broken, my first reaction is, well, what are we going to do about it? Let's put steps together to make this thing better. That's kind of how I roll. And the Lord corrects me. He's like, don't, remember, don't forget, the battle is spiritual. So um, this is a study on Satan. Um, it's very exhaustive. And just to tell you how exhaustive the study is, that doesn't mean I got exhausted doing it. It means it's thorough. This presentation contains every single scripture that contains either the words Satan or the devil. Every single one. Now, 
there's a whole lot of other scriptures as well. There's a million of them that talk about demons or the enemy or even things that um, are, 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 are metaphoric about Satan, like the serpent or, or whatever it is. Not all of them are mentioned, but every single scripture that mentions Satan or the devil is in this PowerPoint. And this PowerPoint, God willing, will also be with the audio on YouTube if you want to see it again. Um, it's one of those things, I, I really dislike giving messages that people theologically disagree with. This is why when I feel like I'm getting a message and I, and I speak about how I don't believe that there is a rapture, that I know that there's eyes on me that are ready to text me or call me or Facebook me right after, whenever it is, this might be one of those messages where it might go a little bit against your current thought, But this message is how the Lord speaks to me about this topic, and it is encouraging to me. And this is a message that enables me to be victorious in spiritual battle. And how many people want to be victorious in spiritual battle? Yes, we do. I want to be victorious with the... How about... Yeah, okay, we'll try that. Okay, so I just told you that every single scripture that uh, mentions Satan or the devil is in here. What is not in this presentation are duplicative scriptures. So if there's, let's say, a verse in Matthew about Satan and in Mark, it's the same scripture. I don't list it twice. The book of Revelation and end times is out of scope of this presentation. This is not an end times presentation. So... The book of Revelation and Satan being cast down and all the things that happen in tribulation, that's out of scope of this presentation. The scope is about how he impacts our lives and what that means and how we overcome it. Out of scope is Satan's origins. There's a lot of thought about he was a worshiper and he was cast down at this time or was he cast down at this time or he has partial access to God now because he was partially cast out of heaven. All that stuff is out of scope of this conversation. I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of scriptures that were meant to be that, that speak about like Nebuchadnezzar that are being used to, to say this is Satan. And I, I think a lot of that is inaccurate, but it's not the scope of this dialogue. Apocryphal books are out of scope, such as the book of Enoch. I know there's a lot of folks here who love the book of Enoch. For the record, I do not consider the book of Enoch to be authoritative. I'm very much a purist on the 66 books of the Bible. Other books can be looked at. You can glean some knowledge. I don't consider them scripture. I know a lot of people disagree with me, especially in Enoch, because there's a lot of quote-unquote prophetic stuff and end-time stuff and a lot of demonology in there, which makes it very ear-tickling. I don't consider Book of Enoch scripture. So anything that's outside of the 66 books of the Bible is out of scope of this dialogue, out of scope of this presentation. And surely a lot of scriptures and a lot of aspects of this broad topic will not be touched on because it's a very broad topic, okay? Are we ready to roll? All right, very good. Man's two natures. This should not be a surprise to anyone that us as human beings, we have two natures. So we're kind of split in half. We have the new man. We have the old man. In Judaism, they call it the Yetzer Hatov, the good inclination, the inclination to do good, or the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, the inclination to do bad. And that's all within us. 
We have a divine nature. We're in the image of God. Yeshua, who is in the image of God, comes into us. We have a divine nature, but we also have a sin nature. So within man, there are two natures. That should be of no surprise to anyone. And Romans 7, to 23 says, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law, a different law in the members of my body waging war against the laws of my mind. So we see two different laws duking it out within each other. And I think we can all relate to that. The old man and the new man having this little wrestling match going on, kind of like Jacob and the Lord, you know? Therefore, it should be a surprise to no one because it's on earth as it is in heaven that there are two kingdoms, spiritual kingdoms, as well. Just as there's like an old man or an, and a new man and there's an evil inclination we have and a good inclination, it should be of no surprise to anyone that, and I'm sorry for making like the kingdom the shape of a cloud, it's the best I could find. So, And these also have different words, the kingdom of God, versus the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of heaven, versus the kingdom of hell, uh, the kingdom of light, versus the kingdom of darkness. So this, again, should be no surprise to anyone. Uh, Acts 26, 18 says, Open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. So there's a dominion of Satan, there's a dominion of God, and there is a desire of God for us to turn from the dominion of Satan into the dominion of God. And also, if, um, Yeshua himself said, if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? I only bring that forward to show you that there is a kingdom. There is a, a satanic kingdom out there. So, if there is, if the spiritual realm, and I'm sorry that it can't be seen on the left, that says kingdom of Satan. If, the, if the, in the spiritual realm there is kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God, my question to you is, where is God? Where does he dwell? Where is he in this picture? He is in the whole thing. Now, this can be mistranslated in me saying there is evil in God. This can be mistranslated or misheard to say that God is evil or has evil within him. That is not what I am saying. I am saying that the whole spiritual kingdom is under God's authority. And if there was anything, Satan included, that was out of God's realm of authority, then he is not God. God has control over the, the evil kingdom, and that is something that is lost, and that is encouraging to me because it makes me realize when Satan is, is trying to pick at me, God is sovereign over the whole thing. This is very important to know, and it is, it's, it's relevant, and it must be internalized, that God controls everything. There is nothing out of his control. And I also tell you that nothing happens without his express permission. And this is encouraging to me because I'm kind of done shadow boxing Satan and I'm done breaking my foot, crushing his head and nothing happening. So this is an important, important concept that God is sovereign 
over everything. And if a demon, even though he thinks he's rogue, if he was truly rogue, then God isn't God. God has to be control, in control over everything, even Satan himself. So is it Satan or circumstance? I don't know. So the, here's the thing for, well, for, for the great theologians. If you have a cold, is it Satan? If you're sick, is it always Satan? You know, uh, you know Job is, is amazing. Like, he had all this calamity on him, and, and everybody was saying, well, it must be because you're a sinner. It must be because you're a sinner. And he just said, kill me, kill me, kill me. The ultimate lesson of Job is God coming down and saying, you don't know my ways. My ways are way higher than yours. So, you know, like, is, is it my head? Is it Satan speaking to me? Is it my old man speaking to me? I can't answer that for you or for anyone or in every specific situation. And I have seen people be on both sides of that spectrum in the extremes. I know people that say there is no Satan at all, and it's all in your head or it's all circumstance. And I know people that say it's all Satan and it's all, it's all spiritual. And I think that both extremes can be wrong all I want you to know is that there is a spiritual dynamic to the things that happen, and you can't forget about that. If you forget about it, you are missing potentially what God wants you to focus on to conquer your situation. All right, I'm going to give a little bit of a simple example. Uh, now, we had great worship today. We had great worship last week. We had great worship the week before. For the past three months before that, it was dreadful. So we've had problems with the Lighthouse Church sound system. We got to a point where I was like, that's enough. I'm not even using it anymore. I started to bring my own sound system. That wound up making it a whole lot worse. So then we buy a whole new system that, you know, that was a little, that's more complex, I guess, than we thought. There was a little bit of a steeper learning curve than I thought. And, and it's, there was times where it was just a nightmare. Like we would turn on the sound system and it would just be all feedback. Never did we actually have to stop worship because of sound system issues, but we did have to stop several times. We had to stop worship, cut our set because of sound issues, because our learning curve was steeper than we thought, and this was a little more complicated than we thought. A couple of weeks ago, we were at that other church in Cranston. Remember when we were there? Now, I was like, this is great. This is a slam dunk with worship. We're using all of their equipment and their sound person. They wanted to bless us so much that they said, don't even bring anything. You could use everything of ours, our sound system, our keyboard, our wires. We'll set it up for you. I'm like, Baruch Hashem, finally, we're going to have a good sound quality worship. This is a slam dunk. It took us almost an hour to get it set up because we, 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 she plugged in the keyboard, the guitar went off. She plugged in the guitar, the keyboard went off. Susie's microphone went off. And the person who works there on a full-time basis, God bless her, was like, I don't know what's happening here. And then it clicked. This is spiritual. So I brought forward a couple of elders, and I said, do you think this could be spiritual? And I said, whether it is or isn't, let's battle this thing right now in spirit. So we grabbed hands, just three of us, and we prayed. And I said my usual Torah-based 
verses, which means Satan, get out of here. Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. And may those that hate you flee. Right in the middle of our prayer, Susie goes, it's working. (laughs) Right in the middle. And we had a fine worship set. And the worship here has been fine ever since. And the simple thing that the Lord told me when I went, huh? Is she, he said, don't forget the spiritual components of the things that happen in your life. Don't forget the spiritual battle. Because we worked hard to get the sound system right. And I'm not saying don't work in the natural. I'm not saying if you get a cold, don't, don't take your aspirin or whatever you do. But don't forget the spiritual component. And whether it's a purely just circumstance or there's a spiritual component to whatever it is you're going through, that is between you and the Lord. My charge to you is don't forget. And be mindful. Ask the Lord, is there a spiritual component to this? Is is the kingdom of darkness entering into this situation? Or is it circumstantial? Seek his wisdom on that. So, here's what I have to say. Not only does God have authority over Satan, God authorizes what he does. So, here are the very, a couple of scriptures, some of these scriptures you may be familiar with, some of them not. But remember, this presentation has every scripture that Satan or the devil is referenced. So, it's pretty thorough. So, Job 1 and 2, now I have it printed, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but essentially Job 1 and 2 is Job was a very righteous man. He lived a good, righteous life. He loved the Lord, he was blameless, it says, and then God called all the sons of God together and Satan came among them and God says, where'd you come from? He says, I came about from walking around on the earth. I believe that later when Peter said that Satan walks, you know, like a roaring lion waiting to devour somebody, he's using the same type of references in the book of Job that he's walking to and fro around the earth. But Satan came with all the angels, right? So this, this, this dude has access to God. He's got access. He's got inner circle access. And now God's, you know, having a cup of coffee with him, right? He's like sitting down with him. He's like, hey, check out my guy Job down here. Like he's conversing with the enemy of our souls. Hey, what do you think of Job, huh? Why would you ask Satan, what what do you think of anything? So what do you think of my servant Job? I don't know if he had a nickname for Satan. Hey, say. Estan. I don't, you know. You know what I'm saying? He's having dialogue. He's, he's like, you know, sitting having an espresso with him. What do you think of my servant Job? So blameless, God says. And Satan says, well, he's only blameless because you gave him a lot of stuff. He's a rich dude with a big family. Take away all his stuff and take away his kids that he's given sacrifices for every day. Take them away and his stuff. We'll see. God says, okay, you do what you got to do. Don't touch him. This is very important to realize. God allowed Satan to bring forth the attack, number one. Number two, 
God provided the, ex the explicit boundaries of the attack. He said, don't touch this, you can touch this. And Satan obeyed. He said, okay. So he brought forth all this stuff and we see this happening. And this is where, is it Satan or circumstance? You know how the attacks came forth? It came forth from bandits and wars and weather events, that wind that caused the sun to die. All of these things can be explainable by circumstance. It was all satanic. It was all satanic, but authorized by God. But he doesn't curse God. Later on, Job 2, here come the sons of God again. And here comes Satan with them. Where'd you come from, Satan, while I was back on the earth? Have you considered my servant Job again? They're having coffee again. Have you considered my servant Job? He hasn't cursed me, even though you enticed me to, 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 you know, to, to mess with him without cause, to, you know, to punish him without cause. You enticed me to do this, and I did it. You know, and, and, but he still hasn't cursed me. And he says, well, he hasn't cursed you because you saved his life. Touch his body, and you know, we'll see what happens then. God says, okay, you could touch his body. Don't kill him, but you can, you can afflict his body. So he afflicts him with sores and everything like that, and he still refused to, to curse God. And, and his wife goes, what's your problem? Why don't you just curse God and die and get out of this world? It's, it's, it hasn't been too nice to you. And he says, you're a foolish woman. Am I, gonna ex am I just going to accept the good from God? but not the bad, from God, from God, from God. He understood that God authorized all this stuff, okay? This is very important. This is encouraging to me. This gives me the strength to say, if God wills it, there's a reason. If God wills it, there's a purpose, because God takes everything bad and turns it for good. So there's a purpose to this. This is not just inconsequential. This is not just random stuff happening to me. God has a greater purpose, even greater than Satan even knows. And this encourages me. Me three. All right, Kings, 1 Kings 22. 19, I got to read this one. I have a couple things printed. This is the prophet, Micaiah, says, Hear the word of the Lord. I, this, now, this prophet said, Micaiah has a vision. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne and all of the host of heaven standing by him on the right and the left. Here come the sons of God again, even happening in the time of the prophets. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, the king, to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said to another, saying this, saying that. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said, how? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And then he, God said, oh, you will entice him and you will prevail. Go and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets. And the Lord has proclaimed disaster. So who put the lying spirit in the mouths of prophets. God, who is the liar? Satan is the liar. It says in John 8, Satan is a liar and the father of lies. I believe that this spirit that came before God and said, I got an idea. I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of your prophets to get your will accomplished. And God said, go do. I believe that was Satan because he's a lying spirit and Satan is the author and the father of lies. Again, 
God was in control of this and approved it to happen. Luke 22, 31 and 32. This is now New Testament times. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Now, here is a little phrase that I'm going to say that I don't know if you agree with or not. In the ecosystem of God's kingdom, Satan has a role to play in this thing. He's not as rogue as you may think. Oh, he's rogue. He's, he's, he's against God. All these against the ways of God. Yes, yes, yes. But he's got a role to play here. Okay, moving on. Oh, the serpent, Genesis 3, the serpent, the serpent was in the Garden of Eden. I don't think we, 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 we realize or we recognize how relevant that is. Eden is a heaven on earth. It's right after creation. This is Adam and Eve walking around without any shame or any sin. It was before sin entered the world in this perfect idyllic world here on earth. And, this, and the serpent was right there. Which means that he's there for a purpose and a reason. So as much as he is our enemy, he has a role to play in our walk. And that's a little difficult to hear. So what is Satan's purpose? The reason I put our friend Gollum up there is because, you know, when the Gollum is first encountered in Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, uh, Frodo's like, I'm just going to kill him. And, and uh, Gandalf says, wait, wait, wait. He may have a role to play in this thing yet. Just hang on a sec. All right. So if Satan has a purpose and a role in, in, in our lives, if he actually has a divine role, if he has a role, what is his role? What is his purpose? Purpose number one, his role is to tempt us to sin. His role is to tempt us to sin. So there are many scriptures around that. First of all, Yeshua was tempted by Satan for 40 days. That means the temptation has nothing to do with sin. You, Yeshua was sinless, yet he was tempted in all things. So it's not because of your sin that you're being tempted. You're tempted because you're tempted. If Yeshua was tempted, then we all can be tempted. Then we all can be tempted. And this is also very important because many people, many children of God are languishing because they don't understand the difference between temptation and sin. They don't understand the difference between having that thing dangled in front of you and feeling a little bit of pull towards it is temptation. It's not sin. If you don't take it, you have conquered the temptation. And that is what God wants from us. But Satan's job is to dangle the thing before us. That's his job. He will tempt us with whatever it is. Now, remember the slide where there's the old man and the new man? We have an old nature and a new nature, and there's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of Satan will, ins will, will link itself up with our old man and want to rise that thing up, raise it up. So the things that our old man struggle with, Satan will tempt. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. If you have like a judgmental spirit, he'll bring somebody into your, into your presence that will cause this thing to rise up and say, see, see, see? 
If you have an addiction, he will bring it before you. As I see, you could take this. If you have an insecurity, he will speak to that insecurity and say, see, see, and he wants you to take the bait. That is his role, to tempt us to take the bait and to sin. He wants us to sin. And we'll go into why he wants us to sin. Here's another neat scripture you may not have heard. First Chronicles 21, Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Now, the people, the leaders of Israel were not allowed to number Israel. Even the censuses taken in the Torah wasn't a counting of people. It was a counting of half shekels. They're not allowed to count people because according to the Bible, and in in especially in the prophet Hosea, the children of Israel are so much they cannot be counted. So you're not allowed, the, the leaders of God in scripture were not allowed to put boundaries around the people by counting them. But something happened with David where he felt a need to do a census and count the people of Israel. This came from Satan. David had a little fear, and Satan spoke to that fear and said, you better count Israel. You better do it. And, the, and uh, Joab uh, said, no, 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 da King David, don't do that. That's, 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 that's not right. Don't do what's not right. David said, no, I got to do it. I got to do it. I got to do it. And he did it. And then the prophet went to David and said, you did wrong. And now, now there's got to be punishment. But it all started because David had a little root in him, whatever it was. Now, maybe reading into the text, a little fear, a little something where he felt the need to do it. And Satan said, yep, that's a good idea. You should do that. Right? That's what he does. That's temptation. In this case, David did not, uh, he did not resist the temptation. He submitted to the temptation, and he sinned. 1 Corinthians 7.5, this is about married couples. Stop depriving one another except by agreement and come together again so Satan will not tempt you. So if there's a lot of separation between a husband and a wife, that can cause a weakness and, and, a, and a lack of self-control. And Satan will use that weakness and say, see? And he will speak to that weakness and try to cause that weakness and lack of self-control to become sin. So he, he, he tempts in order for it to grow into sin. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. he disguises himself as an angel of light. What does that mean he disguises as an angel of light? It means that when he comes, he's enticing you with something that seems to be good. It seems to be good. It seems to be something you want, but it's temptation. And Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down under your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give him an opportunity because if you're it's saying, if you're angry, you could be angry. We have quarrels, you know, but that is not sin. But if that becomes hate, if you allow Satan to, to allow that to become hate, now you have sinned. He's saying, get rid of the anger so the devil does not have the opportunity to have this grow into a sinful behavior. Do you understand? So his role is to tempt us. His other role is to hinder us, just to be an obstacle. Just to cause, you know, sound system issues. Just to be an obstacle. To be a pain in the butt. Like, that's his role. To just kind of be a pain. To just go before us and stop 
the movement of God. This is why the prayer is arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. This is why the children of Israel weren't even allowed to move from camp to camp without saying, arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and may those that hate you flee. It's a spiritual declaration into the spiritual realm saying, you're, in, you're getting in the way, so get out of the way. That's what that prayer is. So he's, he, he wants to just hinder us. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. Uh, there's another scripture in the Gospels where this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? It seems that she went through a bit of a Job experience. She was sick, and, you know, it's just it's God's sovereignty. But God had a greater plan of healing for her. And again, in Job 1 and 2, God allows Satan to bring the hindrance for reasons only known to him. And we already spoke about, shall we accept good from God and not trouble, which is what his wife said. So one of Satan's purposes is also just to hinder us, to bring hindrance into our lives. All right, here's another personal story. So we had the, um, the awakening event, right? A couple of weeks ago in, in late June. I, I believe that we had, Baruch Hashem, a powerful time as Mishkan ministering on that Israel night. I believe that was a powerful time. It was a beautiful time. So right in the beginning of the week, I got a cold. And immediately, I knew. As best as I'm able to know things, immediately I, know, I knew there was a spiritual component to this. It was Satan trying to hinder. I knew it. And I knew what was going to happen. And right and then the day approached, and I'm driving in the car with Susie. And right at that time, on Thursday, on the the. the Evening of the time that we were going to minister, there goes the voice. I, and I knew that would happen. But I recognized it. I said, Satan, you're not going to get in the way. I'm going to squeak through this if I have to. I'm going to croak through this thing if I have to, and I'm not going to be stopped. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to, you know, drink a lot of fluids, you know, or whatever I got to do to make myself feel better or drink some uh, tea or some hot toddies or something like that. But I felt that there was a spiritual component to it. And wouldn't you know it, I felt okay during the praise and worship. And right when I came down to speak, the voice literally went. And I actually had to speak it right there. I said, Hasatan, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to let it stop. I'm not going to let it stop. Not going to let it stop. It's a hindrance. It's a hindrance. Third thing that he does is he lies to us. So Ananias, why... Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So first comes the temptation, first comes the thought, but it's up to us. We have free choice. God says, I put life and death before you. Choose life. So these things will come before us. It is up to us to say, no, I'm not taking this bait. I'm not taking the bait. I'm not taking the bait. Mark 4:15. these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. So the word, the word is, is the word of God. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes the word of way, which has been sown. Right? Like, how does he take the word of way? Like, if the word comes, how does he take the word away? Right? Like, Cynthia, you are a daughter of the king. You are a beloved daughter of the most high God. Good, she receives it. You know what, you know what Satan would say? No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not worthy of that. That's Satan come and taking the word of way. It's a lie. It's a lie. So all of this, whether it's to tempt us, to hinder us, 
or to lie to us. There is a single purpose, maybe not so single because he really wants to just stop the, the will of God going forth, but the primary purpose of Satan in all of these things is to cause us to sin. He wants us to sin. And there's a reason he wants us to sin. Okay, so if Satan is tempting or hindering you, recognize that it's not happening without God's express consent. That's number one. God allows Satan to tempt you so you can recognize your weakness. Do you know, this, this happens to me all the time. This happens to me all the time. Where, where Satan speaks directly to my insecurities. See, you're a terrible rabbi. It happens all the time. He speaks to insecurities. He speaks to insecurities. But there's a greater purpose to that, not just to give into it, but to recognize, okay, I have a wound, so Baruch Hashem, thank you for exposing what still needs to be healed. Because God's purpose is healing and God's purpose is victory over these things. And in order to have victory over it, you must recognize it. And Satan comes in and instead of just wallowing in it, say, I still have a wound there. I don't know. I give this to you. Or I resist. I'm not listening to that. There is a greater purpose, and the greater purpose to these things is for your growth to be transformed into the image of the Son of God. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does it mean to resist the devil? It means don't sin. When he dangles sin before you. When he dangles what you're addicted to before you. When it's resisting the devil means he's going to dangle this thing and well up this old man within you and you say, no, I recognize what's happening. I'm not taking the bait. That's resisting the devil. It's not getting into a boxing match with him or anything like that. It is resisting what he's putting before you. The it's resisting the lie, it's resisting the sin, and it's pressing through the adversity that he puts before you. First Peter, be of sober spirit, be on alert, your adversary. So adversary, by the way, is what Satan in Hebrew means. Is Satan is adversary. You'll see, you'll see in Jewish circles, ha-Satan. Ha-Satan, the adversary. So Peter is using the, the, the Hebrew name of of, of Satan, in this be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like, prowls like a roaring lion. Again, I believe that's a similar concept to what we see in Job, where Satan's around the uh, earth going to and fro. Put on the full armor of God so you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. What are the schemes of the devil? It's the sin he dangles before you. It's the welling up of my old self that he dances. Say, see, 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 see. You have a right to hate this person or whatever it is. See, this person is wrong. Uh -huh, uh -huh. See, see, see? <laughs> That's what he does. That's what he does. But put on the full armor of God and resist these things. Resist these things. These are from the kingdom of darkness. Recognize it when it's happening. Don't just blame Satan. Oh, get away from me, Satan. Get away from me. God is allowing these things to expose it so you can be transformed and have victory over these things. All right. But if we take the bait, 
This is what happens. This is Satan's role in the kingdom, in God's realm, in the spiritual realm. This is his role. He is the accuser. Even in Revelation, all the way at the end in Revelation, the accuser of our brethren has been thrown, thrown down who accuses them before God day and night. This is exactly what we see in the beginning in Job. He's before God accusing, saying, see, see, see what your ser servant did? See what your son did? See what your daughter did? See what they did? See what they did? See what they did? See what they did? He's always before God day and night, and we're always sinning, so he's got plenty of work to do. That's why he's doing it day and night, because we're constantly messing up. But he has, uh, he has access, he has inner circle access to God to accuse us, to say, Look what your son just did. This is what happens if we take the bait. If we don't take the bait, he flees. If we take the bait, he goes before God and say, uh-huh. That's what happens. Now God, oh, okay, so Zechariah 3, this is another example of this. He showed me Joshua the high priest. This is a vision. This is not real. This is a vision, spiritual vision. The high priest, Joshua, standing before the angel. Satan's there again, Right? He's there accusing him. He's accusing him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. So the Lord, so Satan is bringing forth accusation against the high priest. And God says, no way, out of here. So he accuses the people of God before God. Okay, so 1 Timothy 3, 6, and 7. And now this is about how to raise up um, new, new messianic pastors. And not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. So do you understand what, what Paul is trying to, 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 to make sure doesn't happen when you raise up new people that are very new to the faith? Because he's saying if you raise up somebody who's very new and you raise them up to an elevated position, then they go, huh, look at me. And they become conceited. And now Satan goes, shoom, right up to God. See? That's what happens. So Satan is the prosecuting attorney in God's courtroom. He's the prosecutor. He says, look at this. He's guilty, 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 guilty. So this is what happens essentially in the heavenly courtroom. If we sin, Satan presents his case to God. If we sin. If we don't sin, he flees. If we sin, he goes up, he's in the courtroom, and he presents the case to God. Now, very often, because God is, is, is full of grace, he'll just kick Satan out anyway. I mean, how many times do we sin and, 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 and God just gives us grace over it? Like all the time? Like how many, like a thousand years with the children of Israel when they first came into the land before when they were kicked out by Nebuchadnezzar? Like this is God's grace. So he's full of grace. So he'll just say, you know, out of here. You know, drop kick him out. But if Satan's accusations are accurate, and if we did sin, God can say, you're right. You have permission to, to affect his life in response to the sin. And he will unleash Satan to do something. And whatever he does, God, number one, allows. Number two, he establishes the boundary of it. In the scripture that we read from um, where King David uh, did the census when he wasn't supposed to, what happened was the, the prophet came to him and said, okay, you're guilty. We're going to have to be punished, but you get to choose the punishment. You can either choose, uh, number one, you could choose uh, uh, your enemy coming attacking. You could choose, um, I think the second one was, um, right, 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 exactly. So the first one was falling in the hand of man. The second one was a, a drought, I think, or famine. 
And the third one was uh, like the angel of God, destroyer, angel of God coming and wreaking havoc. And King David said, you know what? I'll take the destroyer. I'm going to put my hands, my, 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 my fate in the hands of God rather than man. So, so he took that and a plague came, which is exactly what happened in the Torah, which was which, what the census with the half shekel avoided. So a plague came to the people, and then God had compassion on the people, so he released the destroying angel, which again, I also believe is Satan. And then when it got to a certain point, God said, I have compassion on the people, and he said, okay, enough, you've done enough. And Satan stopped. Okay? So God allows it to happen, and he establishes the boundary of the attack. All right. But God has a greater purpose and plan. So if you sin and if Satan comes in, there is still a greater purpose to this thing. There is still a purpose to this thing because God's ways are so much greater. It's not just to punish. It's not just an equal weights and measures, eye for an eye, tooth or a tooth thing. God's ways are so much higher. What is meant for evil, God uses for good. And Satan winds up, this attack winds up becoming God's tool to bring about fruit in your life. I mean, manure makes good fertilizer. And he uses this. Now Satan's like, aha, I'm going to beat this guy up, but God has a greater plan, and he winds up using it to bring forth fruit and growth and righteousness in your life. Satan as is beaten at his own game. He's beaten at his own game. Listen, in Genesis, it says the Lord formed man from the dust. And then when sin came into the world, he went to the serpent. He said, dust you will eat. So our flesh is made of dust. And the serpent's job is to be a dust muncher. He's to eat our flesh. But this is good because Satan wants to kill us, but God has a greater purpose to kill our flesh so we can be more like him. So the only thing left in us is our, is our rise, the son of God within us. So he comes to munch, but God has a greater plan because he wants, the, he wants our flesh to die. So he uses the satanic attack to make our flesh die. That's ultimately the goal of it. That's the goal of it. Now, it could be if we, don't, if we don't repent, if we don't change our ways, it just becomes a vicious cycle. Because we sin again, he has more access, we sin again, because the wages of sin ultimately are death. So ultimately, it's a changed life that God is, 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 is wanting from this whole thing. From this whole thing. All right. 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5. This is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. I've decided to deliver, deliver such a one. This was a one who was doing very bad sexual immorality. I decided to deliver such a one to Satan. So he's already guilty. He's already guilty. I've decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Yeshua. This is Paul handing him off to Satan for Satan to do his job to destroy the flesh. Now, this may mean actually destruction of the body, but I think it, it's, there's a greater thing in that because God always wants to restore us. So I, so I believe the destruction of the flesh is really the destruction of the old man in this person. So he hands him off to Satan to destroy the old man. Satan wants to kill him, but God's plan is for restoration and for, the, for this sin, for this flesh to be done away with. And this satanic attack, the purpose of it is to destroy the flesh, which we all need. 
And here's, this is interesting. This is Paul talking. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment, given to him. A messenger of Satan, given to him. A demon, given to him. A thorn in the flesh to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. So apparently, he had a little bit of flesh going on too. Because he says it was because of the greatness of the revelation that he got. You know, he saw Yeshua up in the third heaven. So he had this, so apparently there was something in Paul that was like, man, I'm pretty good. So he was given, 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 a messenger of Satan. I ask you this, can Paul be just delivered? Can he go to somebody and say, I need deliverance from this satanic attack? I'm asking you, if Paul went to somebody and said, I need deliverance from this, and the person said in Yeshua's name, Satan, be gone from him. I cast you out. Will it have worked? My answer to you is no. And the reason is God wanted to do something here. And until that fruit is realized, the deliverance will be partial at best. If at all effective, partial at best. Let me tell you something. The one who was delivered to Satan for the destruction of the flesh because he was in sexual sin... Can he just go to somebody and say, please cast out Satan from me? He had to change his behavior. And the change of behavior could have been or would have been the catalyst for the, for the casting out of Satan. This is really important because I believe, let's see. Okay, so 2 Timothy 2, 24, 26. Remember, every scripture that references Satan or devil is in here, so it's thorough. So perhaps God may grant me repentance Grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. So God's plan is for them to come to the knowledge of truth and come to their senses. And by doing that, escape the snare of the devil. So in these cases, I don't believe that deliverance will be effective, at least not permanently effective. Because why take away the trial that God brought to bring about a certain fruit before the fruit is realized? That would not be valuable to the kingdom. I mean, I believe, I am a believer in deliverance. How many people believe in deliverance? In satanic, we could be delivered from Satan. How many people believe, as it says in Scripture, that we have authority over unclean spirits? I believe it. I believe it, but if God has brought it for a reason, and that reason has yet to be realized, how many people have casted things out of people, casted demons out of people, and nothing has changed? How many have experienced that? There is a time when God is allowing it for a season. There's been things in my life where I have sinned, and I know that I was under attack because of the sin, and I've repented and delivered from it, but God said, you're going to deal with this for one year. One year. And one year to the day, it was just gone. Just gone. Didn't even come from, I repented a hundred times. Deliverance a hundred times. And I'm not saying don't go for it. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not saying even, I'm not even saying all that stuff was ineffective. I'm saying it all works together. It all works together. Yes, definitely repent. And yes, go for deliverance. But ultimately, God's will must be accomplished. Period. And if he said a year, Satan's going to be munching on my flesh for one year because of this, it was, I'm telling you, it was one year to the day. I'm like, oh my gosh. It was just gone. So, he gave authority over unclean spirits, but even Yeshua himself gave examples of when deliverance doesn't work. 
at least in full. He said, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. The disciples were not able to cast out the demon. He said, this goes out by prayer and fasting. Yes, that could be prayer and fasting from the disciples, but I also believe that's prayer and fasting from the person needing the deliverance. So that's what needs to happen. That is the fruit that God is looking to bring forth sometimes when we are under attack. And there's another one. Then it goes and takes along with it. We know this one, seven other spirits, right? So it goes out. The deliverance is successful, but it's not fully successful because they come right back and even stronger, right? And what does it say about this house that has been left swept and empty, empty of the occupier? Yeshua is the occupier. So if the house is empty of him, they're just going to come right back. So, I am convinced, I'm a believer in deliverance. I am a believer in coming forward for deliverance and receiving that from the leaders of the congregation or wherever you go for that. I am a believer in it. I am a believer in the efficacy of it. I am all for it. But I am also convinced that full deliverance occurs when, number one, a change of heart and repentance has occurred. Because if you go for deliverance but you have not repented for what's caused this satanic attack in the first place, it's not going to be effective. Number two, number two, it won't be fully effective until God has accomplished what he wanted to. Until God has accomplished what he wanted to out of it. Like I said, that one time that I, that I, I gave into temptation and sin, God said one year, the casting out wouldn't work. God needed one year of this for me. And number three, it's in line with God's timing. So that is when deliverance is fully effective, when there's change of heart and when it's in line with God's timing and he's already accomplished what, he's, what he wants to bring forth from this. Because if he hasn't yet accomplished and brought forth the fruit of why he allowed Satan to mess with you in the first place, there's no value in kicking him out. There's no value. And if it does, if he does kick you out, because I believe her in deliverance, it'll just come right back. And that's why sometimes we see deliverance that's unsuccessful. It's not done yet. There's still repentance to be had. And there's still dust munching to be had. And this encourages me through trials. Because God is sovereign over the whole thing. God is sovereign over over the whole thing. And if he sees a treasure in that field that's getting munched on, well, you know what? We read, what's it say? It's, uh, we, uh, we partake in his resurrection, but we also partake in his suffering. I know I'm paraphrasing. So this is a really interesting one, and this is, the, you know, this is what I speak to the ones who are, are constantly bashing Satan over the head. So this is Jude. This is the book of Jude, the one-chapter book of Jude. He's, it, he's talking about people who rejected authority, who were not submissive to authority. And in, in talking about these people and, say, and condemning these people who do not respect and honor and revere authority, he said even Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these men revile things which they don't understand. It's crazy that Jude is saying, even the angel Michael had a little bit of reverence for the kingdom of darkness. And I think this is really important. We can't be haughty. We can be victorious. But we can't be haughty. 
This is why he just said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And we see that even in the Zechariah, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. If I have forgiven, this is Paul talking, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Messiah, so no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. What is he saying? I forgive because if I don't forgive, Satan can take advantage of my unforgiveness. Do you understand that? This is resisting the devil. This is saying I need to forgive, so I'm going to forgive because if I don't forgive, Satan's going to have an inroad into my unforgiveness and he goes up to the courtroom and then he can rightfully legally mess with me. And we are not ignorant of his schemes. That's what he does. I bring this before you today so we cannot be ignorant of his schemes. 1 Timothy 5, 14 and 15, Therefore I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach, for some have already turned aside to follow Satan. Essentially what he's saying is he wants these, these, these widows, these unfortunate young widows who lost their husband, to live holy and righteous lives, because if they don't, like others, that will give Satan an inroad to mess with them. Again, who I handed over to Satan so they will be taught not to blaspheme. He handed somebody over to Satan so they'll be taught not to blaspheme. Can Satan be kicked out before he was taught not to blaspheme? The answer is no, at least not in full. Because if he's still blaspheming, the, the demons will come right back. In other words, again, this attack on this person is for a purpose. This is really the essence of what I'm trying to say today. There's a purpose to these things. Matthew 16, 23, get behind me as Yeshua talking. Get behind me, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. This is resisting the devil and he'll flee. This is, this is Satan talking into the flesh. Never. I'm never going to let this happen to you, Yeshua. Right? Talking, you know, and, and, and going into the, the flesh and saying, you don't need to go through this. He resisted. Get behind me. I know God's will. I'm not going to avoid it. And John 13.2, the devil, uh, having already been put into the heart of Judas from Kriot, Iscariot, by the way, is not a last name. It's where he's from. The devil, having already been put into the heart of Judas from Kriot, uh, to betray him. So remember, the devil whispered it into his heart, right? So first came the temptation. Then later in the, it says, after the morsel, this is on Passover, Satan entered into him. So he took the bait. Now Satan had legal right to enter him, and he entered him. That's the, that's the sequence here. All right. So just to end on a positive note, 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. The one that lives within you has the strength and the ability to say no to sin. The flesh wants to take it, but the divine nature, the Son of God within you doesn't want it. So do not sin. Just be like Yeshua. Be tempted, but do not sin. Recognize when the temptation is happening. Recognize when Satan is, is saying, yeah, see, you're right. See, you're right. See, you're right. See, you're right. Yeah, your husband is a jerk. Yeah, your wife is a jerk. See, 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 see. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You have every right to feel this way. You have every right to feel this way. Don't take the bait. Hebrews 2.4 that through death he might render powerless to him who has the power of death, that is the devil. He renders him powerless. Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Ladies and gentlemen, Satan is temporary in this whole dynamic. 
Romans 16.20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May Yeshua come soon and quickly and establish the messianic kingdom on earth where he will be reigning from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And during that time, this whole old man, old nature, kingdom of darkness will all be gone. And he will not have any effect on us. May Yeshua come quickly. Amen. Amen.